is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode number 482, recorded Thursday, April 9th, 2020. April the 9th, 2020. We're almost, well, we're a third of the way through April already, but time isn't going fast enough for my liking. Uh, it's not doing anything. We're all stuck here. The world's on pause, it feels like. We I just, suppose. We've paused, we've paused the world for mm-hmm. a little while, like, you know. Every once in a while you wish you could stop the world, but nobody wants that really. So we're just all kind of on pause. We're on pause for the next little while. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's Easter weekend this weekend. So it's a long weekend, which is nice. Uh, you know, I know I was just on vacation, Jason, but boy, I really feel like I need a long weekend. (laughs) Yeah. So I've actually, uh. I'm still going to be attending a couple of meetings tomorrow. Oh, that is the worst. Because uh, I fail to realize that uh, in the U.S., Good Friday is not a holiday. It's not? It is not. They work. Do they get uh, like Easter Monday off or something? I don't think so. I don't think it's a holiday. So they were all talking about, you know, we'll do that on Friday. And then uh, they were talking about the meeting tomorrow on our, our weekly call today. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize. No, tomorrow's a holiday. Well, but then they whined and complained and I said I'd attend a meeting. Oh, well, that's kind of you, but that seems weird. I thought there was a long weekend for Easter, at least everywhere in North America, but nope, could be wrong. All right, nope. well, uh, I'll, uh, I don't know. It's a, long, it's a long weekend for us and uh, this last month has been the longest year of my life. So I'm looking for a long weekend and yep, hoping to enjoy it. The way um, I've been thinking lately is someday this day is going to end. Someday. Someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's enough of that. Um, we are here, of course, to read your feedback about the kind of season finale for uh, season 10 of The Walking Dead. But first, of course, I want to mention the ratings for this episode. They're up a little bit, Jason, up 250,000 viewers from last week to 3.49 million. Nice. There you go. Uh, I don't know what this extended break is going to do before the next episode to the ratings for that one, but we'll have to wait and see. All right. Well, with uh, that out of the way, let's jump right into what we're actually here to do. No, uh, what day it, it what day it is? National uh, Eat Your Sandwich and Like It Day? Uh, no, that only happens on recap episodes. Really? Yeah. And I haven't noticed? I'm glad you're paying attention. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) let's make it National Eat Your Sandwich and Like It Day. Sure. We can do that. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) All right. Enjoy your sandwich, everybody. All right. Here's what we're actually here to do. Listener feedback for The Tower. (laughs) Oh. Oh, kitty cat. There's a kitty cat. Yeah. So I, you know, I lamented the fact on the last episode that we didn't get a title read for the tower. So good old Miles in San Francisco wrote that or recorded that and sent sent it in for me. Miles and company. Obviously, there was more than one person in on that call. It's true. I don't know the My- cat's name, I don't think. Miles, send us your friend's name. <laughs> it sounds like a great dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it's listener feedback time, and we're going to start here with two calls. We're going to do them together because they're kind of about the same thing. 
first one is a call from Taylor, and the second one is a call from Trish. So get ready for these. Hi, Chris and Jason. This is Taylor calling in from Missoula, Montana. Um, I just wanted to touch on something you guys mentioned in the latest podcast about how Michonne seemingly left Judith and RJ to go look for Rick and didn't really designate a caretaker. Something I thought of was that, you know, we already knew, everybody in the community already knew that she was gone because she went to take Virgil back and get weapons in exchange. Um, so I'm sure that at that point, maybe it was probably decided, okay, Daryl, look after Judith and RJ. Um, and she's still gone from that same trip. And so I feel like that probably has just extended because she's still gone for one. Um, another thing I thought of is that maybe this is something we're supposed to believe that has just already been agreed upon because in Michonne's call back to Judith, when she's telling Judith that she's going to go look for Rick, Michonne doesn't even have to say anything. And Judith's like, I know, listen, Uncle Daryl, which tells me that maybe, you know, because things change so suddenly in this world, like people have to go look for dead spouses, <laughs> people get stuck out somewhere and they can't come in, you know, they have to leave suddenly to go do something. Things change, things happen. So maybe there's just already this agreed upon thing that Daryl's the unspoken godfather of Judith and RJ, and maybe that's why there has been no communication on that, is because it's just an understood thing, maybe, already. Anyway, let me know what you guys think. Hey, Chris and Jason, it's Trish in Boston, and I have been meaning to send out this thought about Michonne going off to look for Rick and how she would be leaving her children behind Obviously, they knew that Judith needed to give the thumbs up because we would all be judging Michonne for leaving her. Um, but we also know that Judith is a little ass kicker and can take care of herself in many scenarios. But what I was trying to draw the parallel to in my mind is I guess it's probably similar to our current day reality where a parent might have to go on a business trip and they leave the kids with a loved one for a few days to a week and the kids just know the parents are off doing work but they're going to come back so that's kind of how I think of it with Michonne heading off and knowing how strong Michonne is and how strong Judith is the two of them probably just figure well we'll be fine I'll do what I gotta do I'll be back soon I have my radio and chat later so even though they will miss each other I don't know if they really think of it as a bad thing in the reality of the apocalypse. All right. Hope everybody is well. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks very much, Taylor and Trish. So it's a double shot there of Michonne comments and uh, why, you know, she would just leave Judith. I know this is, of course, from the previous episode, but I wanted to address it anyways. So, you know, Taylor was basically saying that it's kind of just a prearrangement. You know, they pre-plan for this kind of thing because people go missing in the apocalypse or get stuck somewhere all the time. So you want right. to have, you want to have a backup plan. If somebody goes out and they don't come back and there are kids in the mix, then somebody's going to be around to take care of those kids. And, you know, Michonne has that set up, that plan in place. Okay. And then, and then Trish was saying, it's sort of like leaving kids, your kids with someone on it while you're going on a business trip. Right. But that's more of like, okay, I'm going on a business trip for a couple of days and then calling your, uh, your eldest daughter and then saying, you know what? 
I'm moving to Chicago for a while. I need to try and find myself. <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll let you know. I'll drop you a line someday, sweetie. Uh, and then not even mention let your aunt or uncle or friend or whoever's taking care of you, uh, not even to mention to let them know that I'm moving to Chicago. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of funny. I, I enjoy the comparison of Michonne going to look for weapons as an apocalypse business trip. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I, I like that, but you're absolutely right. It's like if I, you know, I was in uh, Denver, Colorado in January, early January this year on a business trip. It'd be like me showing up there and be going, man, I really like these mountains that you can see when looking west. And I think I'll just move here. And then I, yeah. you know, email my wife and say, you know what? I'm just going to stay. I like it here. Not even your wife. Just email, email your eldest daughter and say, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stay here. You know, let mom know. Don't. doesn't matter. Whatever. You don't even say that. Just tell, just let her know that you're going to stay there in Denver. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, a, that, I don't think that would go over so well, but uh, in no. any case, I, I do like the idea no. that it's a, it's a prearranged thing. So, you know, they have backup plans for these sorts of things. You know what would happen if you did that? Tell me. I would track you down. Oh, really? If you just abandon your family and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stay in Denver and not, uh and not return to my, my wife and two daughters. Yeah. I'd come find you. Oh, that's nice of you. <laughs> I appreciate it would, that. It, would, it wouldn't be all that nice, but I'd, I'd, I'd come for you. Slap some sense into me and... Yeah. Well, I might, you know, talk you off the ledge of whatever ledge you're on that you need to stay in Denver. <laughs> At least bring your family with you. I mean, the Mile High City, I'm sure is lovely. I've always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at least bring your family out. You know? I know. You're probably right. You're probably yeah. right. I mean, you know, if you're planning on living in a dumpster for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, while you get your shit together, that's fine. Do that. But once you get your shit together, bring your family out. Okay. Just make sure I have my shit together first. Yeah. Well, you don't want your family to live in a dumpster with you. I do not. Neither do they. So yeah. there you go. All right. Next, we have an email from Cindy in Columbus, Ohio. Cindy writes, the scene between Judith and Daryl where they were talking about Michonne being gone brought tears to my eyes. Kaylee, Kaylee Fleming has a bright future ahead of her and Norman Reedus. Is there anyone that he doesn't have an on-screen chemistry with? All the actors on this show are so good. It's a shame they aren't given formal recognition. But I have a question. Judith only now mentions she spoke to her mom. She said it was the night of the fire, right? Uh, you would think that uh, that would be something you would mention as soon as it happened. Also, why wouldn't she tell Daryl about the possibility of Rick being alive? Well, so that's the real question. Why doesn't she tell Daryl that Rick's alive? And the answer is she doesn't want him to leave too. Yeah, Rick, uh, yeah, Nor uh, Norman. Nor uh, <laughs> Somebody. He'd leave too, right? Whatever his name is. He'd leave too, right? It, it, and... Little ass kicker would have to take care of herself. Yeah. Uh, she essentially says that, right? She says, I, I didn't tell you right away because I didn't want you to leave as well. And I mean, maybe that kind of flies in the face of there being any sort of arrangement there, because if there was, he wouldn't be able to leave without reneging on his end of the deal. But, um, she held the whole thing from him for a while for that reason. And I think she's still withholding the Rick tidbit of information because she knows if she told Daryl, he'd be like, Rick's alive. I got to go find him. He's, he's my best buddy. I got to go find him, you know? Yeah. And then Judith would truly be, well, not alone, but she'd be kind of alone. She, she would. Well, and she'd have RJ with him. 
with her. Right. <laughs> and still everybody else, but you know, she doesn't want, uh, she doesn't want Daryl to go. So that's, that's the reason right there. And I got to think that Daryl is going to find out at some point that Rick is still alive and everybody will. I don't know what, what that's going to mean for the group, but I think it's going to happen. Right. Maybe sooner than later, but we don't really know. Alrighty, thank you, Cindy. Next up is a call from Debbie. Okay, guys, regarding Ezekiel shooting the horse, it is the most major case of foreshadowing. Haven't you ever heard of the phrase, they shoot horses, don't they? Meaning that because Ezekiel has cancer, he is going to want to be put out of his misery sometime. Maybe they had that plan for the finale. Maybe it's going to happen this week. But um, as somebody who only listens to the podcast and doesn't watch anymore for various reasons, um, hearing you guys talk about the scene and then saying like, why did they show it? Uh, that's why. All right. Thanks guys. And keep up the good work. I love the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Amazing. Thanks, Debbie. So Debbie doesn't even watch the show, but is analyzing the scenes based on our recap. And I think that's fantastic. I think it's great. Right. I think uh, it might be skewed, but that's okay. Maybe. But what do you think of this idea that um, Ezekiel killing the horse is foreshadowing to his own, you know, upcoming demise, which is at this point a guarantee at some, some, at some time in the future, because we know he has a uh, terminal cancer. Yeah, Debbie nailed it. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> so she doesn't need to watch the show. She just needs to listen to us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and yet we do watch the show and can't put two and two together. What are you going to do? Well, maybe we should stop watching the show. <laughs> and just recap just it? Just recap it based on the IMDb description of the episode. Oh, that would be great. If I could stretch <laughs> out an IMDb description into, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of recap, uh... I think I'd be pretty special. <laughs> That's a podcast idea right there. <laughs> it might be. It might be. Yeah. Well, thanks, Debbie. Uh, next, we have a call from Dan. Hey, guys. Dan in New Jersey. I know this is a little bit late, but maybe this could get lumped in with feedback for episode 15 since some of these themes will carry over. Uh, two things. One is that at the end of episode 14, Beta is wearing half of Alpha's face, as people pointed out. Notice that Alpha's skin was very pale, probably from wearing a mask all the time. So it makes his face look like a half moon. <laughs> I didn't think of that at the time, but I realized it later. Also, Carol, when, when she's imagining talking to Alpha, Alpha keeps on saying, what do you really want? I think what Carol is trying to make herself realize is that she wants to be in charge and she's denying it. She doesn't want to take the leadership role. She doesn't want the responsibility, but it turns out she puts the responsibility on herself anyway. And I think that her subconscious is telling her she has a much bigger role to play in actually running one of these communities or I guess the remaining community at this point. So we'll see, but I think that's where the story and the show's uh, you know, showrunners are taking us. I think that's Angela Kang is at in plant. So anyway, uh, looking forward to the next episode. I guess the final one of this season as it is so far. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Dan. Uh, I think the half moon thing is funny. It is. Right? His face is a half moon. <laughs> um, but Carol's subconscious, he, he points out this 
dichotomy in her character or potential dichotomy where she, everything she does and everything people think they know about her is that she's a lone wolf. She, she does things on her own, sometimes to the benefit of everybody, like rescuing people and stuff like that, but she does it herself. And, um, yet maybe the reason she's so, she struggles so much is that she's conflicted because maybe she feels like she needs to be a leader or in charge, or maybe she actually wants that yet she kind of acts independently, <clears throat> independently. So, so what do you think about this, this potential rift in her, her character? Well, I'm not really sure. I mean, I understand the, uh, the point you're making and that Dan is making, but and I don't think I see it. Is there's no evidence for her actually wanting to sort of be in charge. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't pick up on that and I can't, it doesn't, it doesn't mesh in my brain. Yeah. I don't know whether it's a failing of my brain or what, but no, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see her being a leader in any way, shape or form. She's way too unstable. Well, yeah, there's that too. She's unpredictable, right? Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, there, there could be something to this because she's been around for so long. People do look up to her, right? They, yeah. they, they respect her and stuff like that, which I guess are things you want in a leader, but, but you're right. She tends to shy away from that. She's left the group a number of times. She's taken matters into her own hands a number of times without consulting anybody else. We've seen it repeatedly with her character, which I appreciate that the show can do that and keep her so consistent and interesting in that way. Um, but she's also kind of conflicted and upset about it. And I think Dan might be onto something when he picked up on that in the episode where, uh, you know, Alpha, ghost Alpha, as you were saying, is is all in her mind there. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I assume she isn't all in her mind, but that's another discussion. <laughs> another discussion. But she's like, she's like Han Solo, right? Han Solo is not meant to be a leader. He's just kind of a, a rogue uh, that does his own thing. I mean, sure, they called him General Solo in uh, uh, at the end of yeah. whatever movie, but I thought that was complete bullshit. Like, why would anybody make Han Solo a general of anything? Well, they, he, I mean, he holds he holds a rank for some reason, but he's not even part of the actual, you know, yeah. rebel alliance. <laughs> General? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Private. No, I can I, see I, private Solo. <laughs> well, I can see, you know, just he's just Han Solo. He's Han Solo and Chewbacca and the Millennium Falcon, the three of them gallivanting through the universe, uh, getting into trouble and causing shit. Yep. <laughs> That's it. It's all you need, really, with that guy. Yeah, with, that, with, with that trio, I should say. With that trio, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see, uh, I don't see Carol as a leader or taking on a leadership role. She, I, I see her as a uh, special weapons and tactics kind of person. She's uh -huh. the, she's the, uh, the special forces that are needed in, uh, you know, in times of uh, unrest. Sure. Yeah. So that being said, it leaves us yet to wonder then what exactly did Alpha mean when. You know, she repeatedly asked Carol, what is it that you want? Carol said, I want to be left alone. And Alpha said, that's not it. So we don't, we don't really know yet. We're still waiting to be shown what it is that Carol really wants. Drugs. <laughs> right? I don't know. <laughs> maybe just some damn peace and quiet for a while. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right, am I up next? You are my friend, sir. 
<laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that means it's time for an email from Jennifer in Minneapolis. Jennifer says, did you see the tomato being squashed underfoot by the horde in Alexandria? This made me cry a little. Tomatoes on the show have long been a symbol of fertility and a barometer for the success or failure of the community. Herschel teaches Rick to properly grow tomatoes at the prison. Glenn and Maggie worry about whether the tomatoes will grow in Alexandria, a metaphor for their ambivalence about having a baby in the apocalypse. Rick picks a tomato and places it on Carl's grave. In the same episode, Jed the Savior steals a tomato from Maggie's cart and eats it. At the end of the episode, when the saviors walk off the job, one of them steps on a tomato, symbolizing Rick's failure to realize Carl's dream of peace and community. Seeing the horde step on a tomato and then the streets fill with walkers just broke my heart. Okay, well, I didn't have any clue about this symbolism. No, but I love it. I think it's yeah. something amazing that Jennifer's picked up on. Tomatoes have featured on the show clearly a bunch of times and always kind of mean something at the very least in retrospect. Yeah, absolutely. This is interesting. I did see the tomato, but I didn't think it meant anything. Right. It was just the zombies were stomping through the garden. I mean, if anything, it represents them uh, destroying everything people have worked for at Alexandria, right? Yeah. Just destroy the food source, destroy, you know, the garden. But it's it seems to be bigger than that, and Jennifer's picked up on it. So I, I really love that. It's going to make me look at tomatoes differently, at least on the show from now on. And I'll probably be watching for them. So uh, don't overdo it, writers. But every time, anytime you want to really symbolize something, throw a tomato in there. Yeah, I have a tomato in my fridge. I'm going to take better care of it. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I'm going to eat it delicately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Next, we have uh, an email from Jen on the internet. I like the interactions with Daryl and Judith, Negan and Lydia, Carol and Kelly, and seeing Dog again. Love the addition of Princess of Princess and her quirkiness. Eugene and Ezekiel are quite patient with Princess Stalling, considering the short amount of time they have. Yeah, um, you know, I I enjoy Princess as well. Um, I I also think that this is the second episode in a row, kind of, where it's been post Alpha Death episode, and the show's giving us a little bit of room to breathe before we know exactly what's coming with this attack on the tower where everybody is and this big final battle in the Whisperer War. So I like that. All these interactions between the characters that Jen listed, I think have been really great. And yeah, they're just, they're not rushing into the final big episode, the final big battle. I thought they might just take the one episode last week to sort of slow down for a minute, but in a way they've stretched it out over two and I personally think it works. Yeah, I agree. It's good stuff. All right, we're just blowing along here. Next is a call from Polly. Hey boys, Polly in Rochester, New York, literally had to pause the episode to send this feedback. I was so aghast at what I was seeing. Five and a half minutes into the episode, the scene where Eugene, Ezekiel, and uh, uh, Unico are talking strategy, and Princess is you know twenty feet away from them or so, and she's cleaning her gun with it pointed directly at them. Uh, that does not seem safe. That's all. Love the podcast. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Polly. That sounds like the kind of thing that would drive you crazy, Jason. 
I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it didn't. Like, <laughs> I did notice the good trigger discipline she had earlier in the episode, but uh, and I did notice that she was cleaning it, but I didn't know where it was pointed. Uh, so, yeah, keep your weapon pointed downrange, folks. Very, very important advice. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of a scene years and years and years ago of Glenn sitting in the passenger seat of a car with a shotgun or something in between his legs and yeah. he's got the barrel pointing up at his face yeah, and he, right. he moves it across his body, you know, from one side to the other, just, you know, casually pointing this gun straight at his own chin kind of thing. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be careful with these things. They're dangerous weapons, people. Yeah. You always treat it like it's about to go off. <laughs> yes. Always. I think that is good advice. Very, very good yeah. advice. Anyways, luckily princess didn't shoot anyone. Cause as we've seen, that gun is pretty powerful. It is. Thanks, Polly. <laughs> uh, next we have an email from Darren in Thornaby. Yeah. Thornaby. I think it's in the UK. I just feel it like. Sounds like a UK name. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Hi guys, listening to your debate about Princess and her field of landmines, I assume this was left over from when the army took over the city or took the city on lockdown during the early days of the apocalypse. We know the army took over LA and Atlanta, so I'd have assumed that Washington would be, would be the same. Keep up the great work. Yeah. Um, I mean, technically this is not Washington. Uh, it's, it's, um, Charleston, West Virginia. Yeah. Although there is some debate as to whether it's Pittsburgh. Uh, it's, I don't understand what's going on right now because I've actually, like some people have written in saying, referring to it as Pittsburgh. Uh, I've seen articles online talking about how the fact that the show is now in Pittsburgh, but I'm positive that, uh, Eugene is supposed to meet Stephanie in, um, what is it? I just said it. Charleston, West Virginia. Char yeah, but then Princess says, I'll show you the quickest way through the city. So maybe they're on their way and they actually are in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I don't I know guess... my geography that well. I, I don't know my geography at all of the United States. It... So I don't know if this is on the way, out of the way, if it's on the other side of the country. It probably isn't. I really don't think it's on the way. Uh, certainly if you're traveling by foot or horse. Um, I recently drove through Pittsburgh and passed uh, Charleston, West Virginia, not, you know, right okay, through it. So they're close. Well. Or are you talking about two different trips when you drove? No, no, no. On the trip, on the drive to Florida last month, you know, you, you leave Toronto across the border at Buffalo, go down through Pittsburgh, at least this is one of the ways. And, uh, we stopped in for the first night in, uh, Summersville, West Virginia, which is just almost, I think, straight east of Charleston. Uh, so we're already like three hours south, straight south of Pittsburgh. So it, it would be a weird route for them to take, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, um, the, the landmines, they're there because the military put the city on lockdown and started putting minefields around the area for some reason. Yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe I don't quite understand the use of a minefield, but I would... My assumption is that minefields are used as a deterrent because, uh, you, you know, you put down a minefield so that, uh, whoever is walking towards you goes around it. Like you post a sign saying there are landmines here, or, you know, maybe I, I mis misunderstood that. Maybe the idea is to, uh, maim and hurt people, uh, not necessarily kill them, but, you know, 
zombies, you have a horde of zombies and a minefield, they're going to get through that minefield. I mean, how many mines could you put down? Could you put down 30 mines? Could you put down 300 mines? How many, how many zombies are going to be walking through your field? A thousand? If that's the case, then why bother? Yeah. I don't know. And, and, um, you're right. I mean, there will always be more zombies or it seems like it. So you put down a bunch of mines, I guess it'll prevent them for a while, but eventually they'll blow them all up and the ones behind them will just walk through. So I don't know. Landmines are also not necessarily designed to kill. They're designed to injure because a dead soldier is a dead soldier. It takes out one soldier. Uh, An injured soldier takes out three soldiers because you have to have two of them carry them back to wherever their the medics are, right? Boy, oh boy. He doesn't have any legs anymore. They sure have thought of everything in war. Yeah. Well, I just heard that on TV, right? So I take that with a grain of salt, but I, I don't quite understand minefields, but I, I can't fathom why somebody would put out a minefield for zombies. No, or, or even just in general, like in a city. It's like, <laughs> it's like trying to keep cows out of your field and putting down a landmine. <laughs> putting down a mine, bunch of landmines in a minefield. You know, I mean, sure the cows won't get into your field, but they're not going to go. Whoa! I shouldn't go over there. <laughs> no, they're probably not. <laughs> I I've always thought of minefields as being the perimeter around something. Like you you put mines all around your castle, except for one path where you can get in and out, and then you force enemies to funnel through that path, which makes them that much easier to to take out. Yeah, right? and that's that's the deterrent aspect of it. Yeah. Right? You put down a minefield and you put up a sign saying friggin' landmines here and you go, <laughs> you know, I really shouldn't go through there. Right. Because at the very least, if I have to go through there, the morale of those soldiers is going to be low because they're walking through a minefield. Yeah. And, and they know it. they're not going to be going very fast. So also right. easy to, you know, eliminate if you have to. So I don't know. I, I don't understand the minefield. I think it was a... TV show dramatic thing because sometimes TV shows do that. I thought, I assume it was Princess that put it down for laughs. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel I would do. I feel like it's a more plausible uh, explanation at this point. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Let's go to the next one here. It's maybe the shortest message of all time. And I should have put it before the last one. But, anyways, it's uh, Kevin from our Facebook page writes SAW equals. Squad automatic weapon. Saw. I knew it was a saw, but I didn't know what it, was, what it stood for. I didn't know it was a saw. I suspected it was saw, but squad automatic weapon. So there you go. Just in case you weren't listening to the last episode, Jason was wondering uh, what he sort of, you sort of knew that Princess's gun was called a saw, but we couldn't yeah. figure out what it stood for. So Kevin says squad automatic weapon. Yeah. So you got one guy in the squad carrying that thing for fire support. Got it. Like, he's not the sniper. He's not even, he's not even carrying an assault rifle. Like it's not, an assault rifle is meant to be aimed and shot. This thing is, uh, is, you know, fire support. It's suppression fire. It's, uh, hey, hey, lay down, uh, a wall of bullets to keep their heads down so that the rest of your squad can do something, move or get into position, that kind of thing. Got it. All right, then. Makes sense to me. All right. Next, we have an email from Dennis in Russia. Yumiko is so fucking annoying. She was introduced to us as a stranger in the previous season. First, she was angry at Eugene for his secret radio conversations with his potential girlfriend. And now, when our group meets Princess, Yumiko is somehow the one who decides to take her in or not. Uh, 
why why was she so mean to her? Princess is a stranger and may be dangerous. I get it, but she's also fun. She has a cool weapon and knows where to get more. She has candies for Eugene and probably has a lot of information that may be useful to them. Yumiko, who still feels new to the show, should be more grateful for the fact that she was accepted to this community and therefore more compassionate to a stranger uh, as she was a season ago. So I can see that point of view. Um, but uh, the other part of me is just a little bit refreshed that they meet a new person. And yes, there's some nervousness to begin with. And I don't trust them right away, but we kind of get through that quick and yay, new person for the group. And we don't have to go through all the, the time of distrust and mistrust and whatever, um, because we've, we've seen that before. And, you know, I think Dennis is right. Princess is fun. She has a lot of upsides, not only being fun. She, she has cool weapons. She knows where to get more. She has information. She's got candy and yeah. she she seems a little nuts, and yes, she walked them through a weird landmine field, but uh, that's okay, right? Well, yeah, instead of saying, oh, I missed that turn, let's go back, uh, she thought, well, you know, we'll go the long way around. We'll go the scenic route through the uh, minefield. Why not? Why not? I'm just saying I'm, I, I, I don't need to see too much more of new people showing up at the gate or encountering new people and them not trusting them. Sure, that's going to happen, but I think we've moved into a new era a little bit because, of course, we've got Eugene, and he's going to meet Stephanie. Now, granted, it took them a while, or at least on her end, to to build up the trust to do that, um, but at least it was a different kind of interaction. It was on the radio. It wasn't out in the woods somewhere, you know? So yeah. I'm okay with it. I like Princess. I think she's going to be a fun addition to the show. Hopefully she doesn't die in episode 16. Yeah. And I mean, it's also very relevant for this day and age that we live in right now that the uh, the relationship is budding uh, based on uh, distance conversations rather than meeting in person. Yeah, that's true. I guess the Eugene thing, you mean? Yes, the Eugene thing. Yeah, nobody's so. nobody's allowed to get together in groups of five or more at this point, at least where we live. And yep. uh, even if you do get together, it's not a great idea because you're just... Uh, potentially aiding the spread of this stupid virus. So um, people are yeah. on video calls all day and doing things that way. Apparently online dates are a thing now. Well, Get on they... Skype or video call or what's that thing you use? Zoom. I, Zoom. I'm on Zoom all day now. It's all, it's all the rage I hear. Yeah. Uh, so you have Zoom dates. So that you get together for, for a date instead of in person. Are you sure that wasn't a thing before? I feel like people have probably already been doing that. Oh, but I mean, meeting people online is one thing, but uh -huh. dating people online is not a thing. Right. Like going on an actual date online. Yeah. I, I don't know. It doesn't sound as satisfying. Would, well, it doesn't sound like it. Well, exactly. Which is why it probably wasn't a thing before now. Yeah, maybe not. Although you'd be surprised. I, I think almost everything's been tried at this point. There are no people original are ideas. Ah, sure there are. All right. When was the last I, time you've never had heard one? of one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I've never had one, that's for sure. No, I know. Me either. I try, but it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, Dennis, for that. Next up is Andrew in Gloucestershire, UK. And he says, I think the significance of the cat leading Beta and the Horde to uh, where our heroes are hiding out is explained by Daryl's earlier comment to Judith. 
He says when tracking people, you have to look at unusual signs or disturbances that might have happened as a result of the person you are tracking. There you go, Jason. It's the cat. And, and I do remember seeing the cat scene. And of course, we mentioned it, but it totally makes sense now. Andrew put it together for me. They're following the cat because the cat is a sign that maybe that's where the people are. I don't know if I see that. I mean, uh, what you're saying is that two plus two equals four. Uh, you know, the cat, seeing the cat means that there's people around. But for me, it seems like what you're saying is two plus two equals a bushel of potatoes. <laughs> well, so, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm a little bit confused. I, I took that from Aaron Sorkin ah. uh, from a West, uh, West Wing episode. All Just, right. You know, credit your sources. Uh, which I thought was fun. Uh, so no, I don't see it. I mean, it makes sense, but, uh, well, I don't, I don't believe it. Here, I'm here's, not sure how to phrase it. Here's the thing. Like we have Daryl teaching Lydia, I mean, um, Judith, how to, how to track. And he explicitly says, look for things that are unusual. And then they see that piece of fabric on the tree, which means, um, a zombie scraped along that tree and left that fabric. It's a silly example, but it's something unusual. Why would there be fabric stuck to a tree like that? To him, it means there are zombies around. Um, but the point is, Beta is wandering somewhat aimlessly, you know, looking for a sign. He's kind of saying that to himself. He's hearing these voices, have faith, whatever, whatever. And he sees the cat. Of course, we, the viewer, know we saw the cat earlier. The cats have been around a little bit. Uh, Judith says that she doesn't like being in the tower because it smells like cat pee. So we know that that's where the cat is. I get it that that doesn't translate to beta knowing, but if you think of the cat as something unusual, then it's his sign that what he's tracking might be, you know, going this way. And that's where the cat's going. So they turn to follow the cat and then they head towards the tower. Okay. Well, he does, uh, he does see a broken branch, uh, at one point when he says, uh, they're in, in his mind, the voice says they're fleeing from you. It's because he saw a broken branch and he, he's definitely following a trail. Mm -hmm. So that I understand, but you know, cats are not tame. They're just kind of, uh, well, they're not, uh, domesticated. They are tame, but they're not domesticated, right? A cat, if you throw a cat out into, the, out into the wild, no matter how long it's been living with you, it'll probably do fine. Well. I, I don't know. My cats were pretty dumb. They probably would have died. But in general, cats can survive, uh, you know, without humans. They can, but I wouldn't go as far as to say as cats aren't domesticated. Like, yes, they're probably better suited to it than dogs, most dogs. But I think, I think these days, there's a lot of house cats out there that, wouldn't survive that well on their own. Well, no, because they're, they can be pretty dumb, but I think technically <laughs> they're not domesticated by the rules of domestication. What actually that means, I don't quote me on the actual meaning of it, Okay, but, uh, they're not technically domesticated because, uh, when you die, they will eat you. Great. Like if, if you had died in your house and your cat had nothing else to eat, they would eat you. A, a dog wouldn't do that because it doesn't see you as a potential food source necessarily. But, you know, also don't quote me on that. I'm sure there's been differences on both sides of the, that, that coin. Sure. But if I saw a cat out, of out in the wild, I wouldn't assume that it was not a, a wild cat. 
No, right? I, I know that's a good point. Yeah. There are wild cats out there. There are stray cats. You know, lots of yeah, them. I would assume that in the zombie apocalypse, there's lots of kitty cats that went out and, you know, eight years later, there's probably been, probably been a whole bunch of cat breeding that's going on and they've uh, bred, you know, little monster cats that uh, have no contact with humanity whatsoever and would claw your eyes out if mm-hmm. they ever got a chance to, uh, to come near a human being. So I would assume that it's just some feral cat that's, uh, you know, chasing mice or whatever cats do. Yeah. Well, okay, put it this way. The show was trying to tell us that okay. the, the cat is what led Beta to the tower. And they they really went out of their way to point that out. Doesn't mean I picked up on it exactly when I was watching the episode, but I can see now that's what they were trying to do. Whether it makes a lot of sense or not, um, that's what they were going for. Yeah, okay. But that I can buy. Sure. I think it's... Like, like I say, it's two plus two equals a bushel of potatoes. He doesn't, you know, he sees the cat and he jumps to a conclusion that no rational person would jump to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair. And by no rational person, I mean people other than me. Don't forget. Because I assume that I'm the only rational person. Yeah, naturally. I assume that too. Because nobody else thinks like me and I'm obviously right. So I must be the only one that's (laughs) rational. Sure. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that's, uh, that's sentient as well. But oh, good. <laughs> I think everybody else is a figment of my imagination. <laughs> yeah. Well, funny. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I think maybe we're all figments of each other's imagination. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. What's going on here? Is it me? I, I don't remember. Uh, that was Andrew in Gloucestershire, right? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, right, so you. We have All right. So, we have an email from Chris in the UK. There aren't many people we know that well in the tower. I think in terms of major char- major characters, it's just Gabriel, Gabriel, Negan, Lydia, Luke, and Magna. We're uh, we're all we're all expecting them to find a way to defeat to defeat the horde. But are there any characters in this list without whom the show could not continue? JDM might be too expensive to kill, but other than that, they could kill them all. Kill off Aaron and Alden too, and we don't even have to deal with the months of mourning the lost children. I know how that sounds, but it would be a drag to watch. You could have the gang go out in such a way that the Whisperers are also defeated and then the start of season 11 with a smaller cast and a clean slate. I'm not saying this is what I want to happen. I'm definitely not saying that this is what will happen, but it could be an option. Uh, It would be bold as hell and certainly make for an amazing season finale. Well... That's a lot kill of them de- all. Kill them all. That's a lot of character death all at once there, Chris. Um, Gabriel, Negan, Lydia, Luke, and Magna in the tower amongst everybody else, you know, that's there, but most of them we aren't that familiar with. And then Aaron and Alden out in the forest. So the one he, well, the two he didn't mention that we pretty much know aren't going to be killed off are, of course, Carol and Daryl. Uh, they're both... Uh, is Daryl inside again, or is he still outside with Judith? I think he's still think he's outside. outside. Yeah. But the biggest point here, I think, is that Carol is outside. She's separated from the group. And as we talked about earlier, when Carol's separated from the group is when she seems to shine. So yeah. there's a massive attack happening on all of our characters here. It's not crazy to think that somehow Carol is going to save the day 
because she's out there on her own and coming at this from a different angle. Yeah. And now she's got wires. She's got wires. She's been sent on a special mission to collect wires from cars. Yeah. And car stereo wires, maybe specifically. Who knows? Who knows what she could do with those? Almost anything, I I figure. But she's also got Kelly with her. Yep. And they're probably going to run into Connie because that would be a nice reunion. And then Connie will help out too. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) That could could be very interesting. Uh, I don't think they'll do it. Like wiping out uh, the cast in order to start over. I mean, we've seen that happen on other shows. Not... Well, in those cases, there were major characters that were uh, wiped out. I'm thinking of that 70s show, the last season, as well as Scrubs, the last season. Okay. Uh, I didn't watch you know, those they, really, but all right. Well, you should watch that 70s show. It's a good show. I, I've seen a bunch of it, but I'm not going to go back and watch that now. Like, come on. You got you to gotta watch uh, <laughs> uh, Kelso. What's his name? Um, uh, the yeah, actor. The care. Anyway. I don't know. Uh, He's kind of funny to watch in that, uh, in the first couple of seasons, because he obviously has no idea what he's doing, but he commits. Everything he does is an absolute commitment to, uh, to the bit. And, uh, I think maybe he's, uh, an un- underrated, uh, entertainment value. I, uh, what the hell was his name? Ashton Kutcher. Yes. That's it. Uh, I think that he's not a great actor, but. Uh, he's entertaining to watch because whatever he does, he absolutely commits everything to it. Okay. And it's fun to, it's fun to watch. So go watch that 70s show. Uh, but they swapped out, uh, you know, he left the show in the, in the second last season, that kind of thing. But anyway, bringing it back around, we could wipe out all the secondary characters and it'd be okay. Like we're not going to lose, uh, we're not going to lose Norman Reedus. We're not going to lose, uh, Carol. We're not going to lose, there's, there's a, we Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I don't think we'll lose, uh, but they could wipe out everybody else. I mean, if I had to take a guess, I feel like Alden might be done with the show in the next episode. I think he's too pretty. I like the guy, man. I think he's great, but I think if they're going to they kill, kill him. if they're going to kill Alden or Aaron, if those two, because they're together, I think it's going to be Alden. Um, as for everyone, Chris listed inside the tower. Uh, I could see Luke. I, for some reason, don't see Magna being killed off. Definitely not Jeffrey D. Morgan. Definitely not Lydia. What about Jerry? Uh, yeah, he didn't list Jerry, actually. And Jerry's one who is in there, who, um, I... And his whole family. I have a bad feeling about Jerry, too, to be honest with you. No. I know. But the one sort of most major character that I think might be getting it is Gabriel. I think Father Gabe might be might be going down here. He he's due. I think he might be due, yeah. I think I think he might be due. <laughs> so my list is Father Gabe, maybe Luke and Alden. All right. Well I'm hoping uh, I'd rather see Father Gabe go than Alden. Oh really? Oddly enough. Yeah. yeah. It's I have no reason why. It's weird, but I <laughs> sort of feel the same way. I sort of feel the same way. Where the hell's Rosita? She's in there too, actually. She yeah, must she be. She would be. She must be. Yeah. Um, so she's one another one. baby. That's a lot of that's a lot of kids to kill. Oh God, yeah. All of Jerry's kids, Coco, uh, yeah. Alt or um, Aaron's daughter. Yeah, they they can't do it. Gracie, they can't do it. <laughs> no, they can't kill all those kids all at once. I mean, sure, they might do it. You know, kill them all and then jump ahead another year. I mean, right? I mean, Alden is looking after uh, Earl's son too. Jeez, right. 
There's more kids on the show than you think. Yeah, there's a lot of kids that would have to die for that to happen, so that probably won't happen. Okay, so Father Gabe it is then. He's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's not he's responsible for any kids except for Coco and only kind of. Uh, yeah, he's gonna. Would he kill uh, Ezekiel? Ezekiel, no, Ezekiel is is going to die as we talked about, but I don't think it's gonna be in the last Father episode. Gabe. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, good times. We will wait and see. Uh, next up is a call from Jonathan on the internet. Greetings, gentlemen. I've been enjoying the last few seasons, and Angela Kang has been a great showrunner. And she excels at emotions and relationships, but I think it's fair to say that she struggles with logistics. From the magical transportation of prisoners to the beheading barn from last season, to the what, why, when, and how did they all leave Alexandra, Alexandria? But the last straw was when Aiden and Aaron were surrounded in a perfect circle out of nowhere. It seems that Beta must have inherited a Star Trek-style transporter from Alpha. Time and distance seem to have no real value. And can someone please explain to me how they killed all the walkers at Hilltop and and escaped without notice? Where did the hospital come from? And I don't remember anyone mentioning a plan until we're in in the middle of it. They may be using the writing technique of de- deciding upon what main events you want to hit and then figure out how to link them. In fact, if I remember correctly, you did mention that's how the Negan and Alpha sex scene came about. Couple that with poor actors' contracts driving the story and I feel we're a little all over the place. But I still enjoy it and it makes for a fun podcast. And in the spirit of that, I want to thank you guys for continuing to podcast at the moment. And can I suggest a Marvel rewatch in chronological order to keep us all going? Anyway, all the best. Thank you, Jonathan. So real quick, a Marvel rewatch for uh, for us and talk about each one. Wow. Kind of feels like a daunting task, I'll be honest with you, but... You I've, I've done that recently, right? I think I've mentioned that. Uh, I did that leading up to uh, you know the finale of Phase 4. Endgame, yeah. Yeah, so I can do it. We have to watch The Incredible Hulk, though. Like, you can't not watch The Incredible Hulk. That's fine. I mean, let's just say the idea is not off the table, um, but it's near the edge. That's a lot of, uh, like, I assume that we'd we'd have to do it in chunks, right? Right. We'd have to watch it in uh, maybe uh, year chunks, like uh, maybe do an episode of every year of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That would be you know, 10 episodes rather than 25 or whatever the hell it is. (laughs) Right. So one episode would consist of whatever movies were released that particular year. Okay. Uh, That might be a way to do it. You could do it by series as well, like the Thor movies, the Captain America movies, the Guardians movies. They're so interleaved, right? You got the the Avengers uh, with Iron Man and Captain America. You know, it's hard to separate those out. All right. Well... Let's just say that sounds like a daunting task, but I'll think about it. How about this idea that as good as Angela Kang is, she struggles with logistics and travel times and, you know, things like the plan that we're in the middle of right now that we don't know anything about. Uh, That could be, I mean, I think that's a bad example because that's a storytelling technique, right? As you've mentioned many times. Um, But just some of these sort of, confusing things that we see like Alden and Aaron getting surrounded out of nowhere and stealth zombies and stuff like that, which to be fair have been a problem with the show since the beginning too. 
Um, but uh, I don't know. As much as I love Angela Kang and what she's done with the show, I can sort of see Jonathan's point a little bit. Yeah, I you know I can too. I mean, it's hard to uh, as episodes or as TV shows move on, uh, and you know, in the first couple of seasons, there's you know distances are daunting, and then by the end of the series. Uh, you know, it's nothing like, look at, look at lost, right. Crossing that Island mm-hmm. at the end of the, at the end of the series was so fast. I mean, the worst like, example yeah, is game of Thrones, right? Oh, game of Thrones is, yeah, that's a, it's a very good worst example. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, <laughs> everything's spread out all over the place, except that by the end of, end of the, uh, the series, they just, you know, you're at the wall. Oh, now you're down in wherever you, Westeros, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just wherever you need to go. Yeah. That's, it's a thing with TV and I, 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 that almost, that doesn't re- even really bother me if I could get that out of my mouth that much. Um, because it's fine to struggle with those distances uh, to begin with, but you just don't want that all the time. It would, it just takes the the flow out of it a little bit if people are constantly on the road traveling and it just feels so limiting too in a way if you need characters to be in Alexandria and then in Hilltop you can't just have them teleport back and forth obviously but cutting out travel time doesn't really you know get at my get my goat that that bad right okay have you ever played the Fallout series uh no no okay so the last time the last Fallout game I played, Fallout 4, uh, there's a fast travel option. Like mm-hmm. once you uh, reach a place of, you know, uh, a marker of some place, you can now fast travel to that location. Yeah. But you have to discover the places before you can fast travel there. Right. So there's, by the end of the game, you've, you know, you've crossed the whole map. You've seen most of the places. You can fast travel all over the place and everything just goes bing, 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 bing. Uh, when I played that game, I, uh, the last time I played it, or I only played it the once. I decided to never use fast travel. Oh God! I would always walk all the way across the map, and it was always running. You're running, you're running, you're running, you're running. You always just ran from place to place, uh, all the way across the map. And I enjoyed it so much more. It gave me such a better sense of scale, of uh, you know, the vastness of the map of the game, and I enjoyed it. I know, but. Life is only so long, Jason, and you were just running around in a video game instead of fast traveling. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. That's okay. I, I, so I, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the fast travel, except, well, except when I am. So let's take that inconsistency and make it our own. Sure, exactly. Yeah, all right. Well, it doesn't bother me that much. I'm glad they depict it early on, but yeah, like, like a video game. They, they add fast travel locations to TV shows eventually, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. All right. You're next. Excellent. So we have an email from Michael in Ozark, Missouri. So where are all these walkers coming from? Where are the whispers finding all of them? We're, uh, we're what, 10 years or more into the zombie apocalypse? How many walkers can there be out there? Even Princess tells us that there, tells us that there are hardly any rotters left in the city. P.S. I'm still waiting to hear what Jason thinks about the Lego Masters TV show. All right. So real quick. Um, yes. Good point, Michael. Uh, and I, I questioned this on the last podcast too. Like just, God, the, the whispers seem to have an endless supply and they just turn on a, a radio, turn on a record player and suddenly a thousand more show up. Um, 
and then you know to have princess even say yeah there's hardly any left that's why i'm that's why i dress them up in tea parties and stuff like that those two things don't seem to go together but it's a show about zombies there's always going to be zombies you have to have zombies on a zombie show so what are you going to do um, well, maybe all the ones in the city are stuck in the subways now because everything goes to its lowest point, right? So maybe they're all wandering around and they all eventually tump, stumble down the stairs into the subways uh, and get stuck down there. I guess so. Why not? And, and the ones out in the city, out of the, uh, sorry, out of the city don't have subways. So they're just wandering, wandering the earth. Until they fall in a hole or something. Yeah, because that's I mean, what it you, happens. That's what you have in the country. Yeah. But there's fewer holes, whereas in the city, there's lots of subways and underground places and buildings to get stuck in. I, I have no idea. Why I guess so. Zombies in the city and, <laughs> and lots out in the country. Either way, the Whispers have tons. But I wanted to read this because Michael's asked a couple of times, Jason, uh, what do you think, being a big Lego guy, what do you think of the Lego Masters TV show? I have not watched it. <laughs> I have heard, I've heard of it. I know it's out there. I have not seen it. It's on actual TV from what I understand. It's not streaming anywhere, right? I think it's a Fox show. Yeah, so it's on Fox. I, I, it's you can't get it on Netflix. I don't believe you can get it on normal streaming services. Maybe Fox has their own service, but you and I don't subscribe to that if it exists. So it's it's tougher to get for us people that um, don't usually watch regular TV. I haven't watched television or a movie for entertainment since this whole bullshit started, and I had to start working from home. Well, like A, you've nothing. always worked from home, but B... Well, mean, yes, no, I mean, like being at home all the time with my family and oh. uh, not being able to go anywhere. Uh, you know, I haven't... Not a single show. I can't think of anything. My wife's watched a, a few things. She's actually watching Ozark at the moment, season three, mm-hmm. uh, which I plan on uh, watching at some at some point, but I haven't, <laughs> haven't watched anything in weeks. It's tough, man. It's tough. Well, I do recommend Ozark season three. I really recommend break, uh, Better Call Saul season five. Yeah. Oh my so god! Much. Oh my I'm, god! I've it's got so some good. vacation coming up. I've got some vacation coming up, and uh, I might have some more time then. All right. Well, Michael, and if I can fix the fucking dishwasher that <laughs> broke like two weeks ago, uh, then I'll have a little more time. All right. I was going to say, Michael, if Jason can, he will check out Lego Masters and get back to us. <sighs> If you can, I'm not promising anything. I'm just saying. Yeah, it might, it might be a while. All I'm right. aware that it exists, but I'm not entirely sure what it is. Well, that's, like, that's why we want to know. But hey, you let us know. If you watch it, then you can talk about it here if you'd like. Surely. Uh, right. Jason in Indiana writes, uh, with another request, I'm mainly emailing in to request that you guys watch Tiger King on Netflix and review it on the podcast. I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on it, especially Jason who doesn't use social media too much, so he'd be going into it blind. Just an idea that could fill the hiatus from the show for a little bit. Thanks, guys. Okay, so now I've heard of Tiger King, and I know what it's about. Because, okay. you know, I don't I don't look at the internet. All, well, I do look at the internet, but uh, I go, I'm in different circles than the rest of reality, I think. Uh, but, you know, I'm not dead to the world, so Tiger King's pretty... Uh, it's pretty out there right now and very popular. So I've yep. heard of it and I know yep. what's going on. I watched the first episode of Tiger King and I suppose I will reserve comments for now. Um, but again, 
Jason, it would be awesome, but it's going to be difficult for the two of us to watch all like what is it, ten episodes of it, uh, in in a reasonable amount of time, and then talk about it. But you never know if if it happens, uh, we will we will maybe share our opinions here. I will say quickly that everyone that I work with in my day job is obsessed with this, and they keep talking about it and keep telling me to watch it. So I did watch the first one, and I thought it was okay. Uh, I didn't really pick up on the insanity of it that they all seem to say, so I think it gets crazier and crazier as it goes on. Um, but again, I'm not far enough in to really say. Um, so we'll see, okay. we'll see. I might continue with it, but uh, I'm not quite sure at this point. Okay, I've I've wanted to check it out. I'm aware that it exists, and I'm interested in you know, finding out if it's something that I would enjoy. Yep. I'm not entirely sure it is. Doesn't really sound like something that I would be into, but. Yeah. Well, we'll I mean, see. it's, it, yeah. And, and I included this and the last one about Lego Masters because as we come to the end here, uh, you know, we are going to have a break. And um, one of the things, well, maybe I'll say this in a minute, but we're, I've been thinking about what, what we're going to talk about and record about over the next little while before the true ending to season 10. So um, these are all good options and I wanted to get them out there. Cool. All right. Finally, finally, I think this is the last one. Finally, we have an email from Chris in the UK. I don't always listen to every single one of your off season shows. I listen to most, but I miss the odd one as my attention wanders to other things. I will be listening to everything you produce this time. Uh, whilst I'm lucky uh, in that I'm not living on my own and I have a variety of options for social interaction, I hope you realize just how important podcasts are at times like this. Beyond the obvious benefit of keeping us entertained, you provide a link to the wild, wider, wider world currently beyond our reach and you help keep us all sane. Could we survive without you? Perhaps. But all I know is that I don't want to have to. Thank you for everything you do. No, Chris, thank you for saying such nice things. Um, and there has been a giant uptick lately, Jason, in people writing emails like this or just including this kind of sentiment at the beginning or the end of their message. And it's, it's really, really delightful, I got to say. And I want to thank everybody out there who, who said things like this about us and kind of just reinforced to me that what we're doing here is awesome, is valuable, and people like it. And as we've said over the weeks, that it it's something that just keeps keeps people connected a little bit and yeah. feeling normal in a world that is decidedly not normal at this point. Yeah, and it is important. I have uh, I do listen to podcasts, a lot of podcasts, and I think that uh, in 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 these times, hearing podcasts and uh, people talking about what we're going through is, is reassuring because we are going through a lot of this by ourselves, but we're not alone. Right. Right. Everybody's going through it. Everybody's in the same boat. Uh, so we, you know, hearing it in podcasters are real people. I, well, I am anyway. I don't, I'm not sure about everybody else. <laughs> yes, <here>. we learned. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, podcasters are real people and it's nice to hear that, right? You hear, uh, you know, people you listen to or podcasts you've listened to for years, uh, they're talking about this too, uh -huh. because they're going through it just like us, you know, yeah. and even, you know, big television shows, everybody's doing their shows from home and, uh, it's not a bad thing 
And I think maybe everybody might wake up and realize, do we really need to have a studio where we have a studio audience and like cameras and all these people? It's like, why not just hold up an iPhone uh, on a tripod? <laughs> I mean, there's there's something to be said for getting together in physical space with people and actual groups of people. Like, like I don't think you could ever do, well, you know how they're talking about now, okay, maybe doing sporting events with no fans in the crowd, right? Yeah. That might be, that was considered as an option when the, this was first breaking out the virus. And I think it will be considered when it's starting to come back. You know, we might get basketball games, NBA games with no fans in the crowd. That's super weird. I, I think that is doable for a short time, but eventually you need that crowd there. I, I, I couldn't imagine like a band playing to an empty venue. It doesn't you can't. it doesn't make any sense. You can't It's like you're having that. a play without an audience. Like you, the actors and performers need that audience. It right. is an absolute need. Right. You can't, you can't have a performance without an audience. It, you can, you know, you can play, you can do the, uh, uh, you know, like you can, you can play your instruments, you can make the music, you can do your, your run through the play line for line, but without the audience, it doesn't, it hardly means anything. Right. It doesn't work. It's the two go hand in hand. It's interesting that, that sports don't quite seem to be exactly the same. I think they're similar, but I can actually imagine sporting events without fans in the crowd, at least for a while. But, but there's no point in doing a play or having a musician perform on stage without people there. Yeah. It's, it's strange, but, um, so, so we're going to have to get back to, you know, getting together in groups and experience and th experiencing things. But, on the other hand, you're right too. There are all kinds of things out there that have had audiences in the past or just live people around that aren't, that don't seem quite as, they don't seem like that's quite as much of a necess necessity for it. Yeah. And, but. you know, doing this podcast in these times, uh, it's something I personally have to do. I, I need it to feel grounded. Yeah. Like everything is so up in the air. Everything is so odd. Jenny and I were talking about it today that even, uh, nothing tastes interesting anymore. Like I, I can't, like we make the food we usually make, uh, and we, you know, we make dinner, we have, uh, you know, treats for Jasper, treats for us, whatever, but it's just, everything's just kind of meh. Dude, apparently lack of taste and smell is a symptom of having it. So what, keep an eye on that. Okay. It's not a lack of that. It's a lack of, uh, <laughs> uh, it's like the saturation of reality has been turned down. Okay. It's not that I can't taste it. It's just that I can taste it, but it doesn't, it's not as interesting to me as it used to be. Sure. All right. I'm just so saying, just, be careful. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's not that. I, I'm not exhibiting symptoms. Good. That I know of. Good. Yet. Well, I mean, Chris in the UK, uh, you know, obviously you could survive without us, but, uh, I'm glad you don't want to. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people feel that way. And after reading it, this, you know, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's this, it's the same thing without, uh, without the listeners, what the hell would we be doing here? Right. I know just, you and I would be having a conversation. I mean, that's fun and everything, but it's much better when 
You know there's listeners. Yeah, so much better. And, you know, we've joked over the years that we would do this anyways. And I mean, that may be true, but it's probably not. <laughs> not I mean, it, not in the same way anyways, right? Yeah, it wouldn't be as consistent or as long uh, or as uh, on topic, even though it, it doesn't seem that much <laughs> sometimes. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I think our conversations would tend to wander more off the show Maybe I'd be, I'd be less concerned with keeping things on track a little bit. Right. So, (laughs) although I, I think I'm pretty good at letting you go sometimes. (laughs) Well, and I can usually bring it back. Sure. Usually that's fine. Um, anyways, having read Chris's message and you know, all the other messages from everybody else, um, I know going off on hiatus over the summer between seasons, we used to cover Fear the Walking Dead, but there's no fear right now. And frankly, the plan still is not to cover Fear Season 6 the same way we had for the last five years. But when it does come back, we'll figure out something to do there. Um, and World Beyond, the other, the third show, uh, also, I don't think we will record a podcast about every episode of it, but we'll certainly talk about it, certainly watch it to keep you know, fully engrossed in the Walking Dead universe because these shows are going to start overlapping more and more, I think. Um, But all that being said, for a little while, there's going to be no Walking Dead TV show on the air. However, I think, uh, you know, we can commit, I'd say, Jason, to recording a new episode every week, which isn't something we've done for the last few years during the hiatus. We've gone two, three weeks at a time without doing it. But right now, you know, knowing all this, we can find something to do once a week, right? Even if it's totally not Walking Dead related. Yeah, so I'm sure. So that's the plan. That is the plan. And I would, I, I would love to incorporate as much of your feedback into whatever it is we do, right? So I'm going to try to plan ahead a little bit, talk about or announce, you know, if we're going to watch a movie and talk about it, announce what that is ahead of time so that you guys have a chance to watch it. Or, you know, if you've already seen it, just put down some thoughts that you might want to send in. So I definitely want to include as much of that as we can over the next few months or however long it it is until some Walking Dead content comes back. So, um, so stay tuned and, and keep listening and, and, you know, follow along if, if you can. Um, but, uh, I think that would be great. So, and so let's do it. It'll be fun. Sure. I think that's a great idea. All right. Well, there you have it. That is the feedback for this episode. And, uh, it's going to be it for a while. I just finished saying, well, I'll announce what we're going to talk about. I don't know what it's going to be next week yet. So, (laughs) you know, there's some loose plans and stuff like that. Uh, can't say anything yet, but been talking to, anything official yet, but been talking to Jason Capassi over at Podcastica about, you know, something we might try, which I think will be fun. So keep an eye out for that as well. And, um, we did, I discussed with him too, the fact that, you know, we do a, a, a season wrap up crossover episode every year. Yeah. We've done every year so far. We're going to wait until episode 16 actually airs and do it after that. Cause then Good. the season is complete. I don't want to wrap it up before it's complete, you know? Yeah, well, the, those episodes, those uh, those crossover shows we do are a, uh, you know, our favorites or, you know, 
not favorite moments or aspects of the show, right? It's looking back at the season as a body of work mm-hmm. and, and discussing it. So until it is a body of work, uh, I think it'd be premature to discuss it. Absolutely. Totally agree. And that's that's the way he felt as, as well. But there might be something in the meantime that we do with those guys. So keep an ear out for that. Um, but anyways. We could, th- always, uh, we could always discuss and rank our favorite kinds of toast. Of, of course. Why not? I mean, write that down on the list and maybe we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, might get deprioritized over time, but uh, it's on the list. <laughs> sure. For, totally. Uh, all right. So we will talk to you soon, everyone, but thank you so much for participating and uh, staying with us. Like I said, we will be back next week with something and hopefully by then I'll be able to uh, lay out a bit of a plan for the net, for the coming weeks after that. If you want to get in touch with us, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash the talking dead. Uh, I'll try to post news there and things that come up. Um, I know there was a, a fear trailer released recently. Uh, there of course are the trailers out for episode 16, which I'm not going to post because it's hard to avoid those spoilers, but I'm not going to participate in disseminating those spoilers because I, they pissed me off a little bit. (laughs) You said you were going to try and post news, and I thought for sure you were saying I'm going to try and post nudes. Well, you know, I mean, if you have some, Jason, send them to me, and I'll close my eyes and click post, and they'll be up there. I have a smartphone. I can make some right now. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Let's stop doing video on these (laughs) Skype calls, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, Where was I? Facebook. Yeah, so go to the Facebook page if you want. Go to our website, click on send voicemail at the top to send us a voicemail or just record it on your phone and email it in. And to do that or any other emails, send it, send them to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right, folks, we'll see you again next week with something. So until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.